Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 78 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Hector! Welcome, Hector. Welcome. Welcome uh, to, to the podcast. We just had an amazing preview of the show talking about Taylor Swift, so there you go. For, for all of you who... Uh... Just like good headcanon things, listen to yeah. Taylor Swift's anti-hero and then picture that's what Jason Todd listens to in his earbuds. It'll make every comic better. See, and the more you know, and Hector is now telling you to listen to Taylor Swift. So the video is uh, really good. So get get on that. Get on that Tay Tay train and I'll. Yeah, I mean, but, I guess it broke Spotify when the album dropped. So who am I? Um, so on that, there are strong nerd vibes um, just in the titling, at least Antihero is one. But then she has another song on there called Vigilante Poop, you know, that I'm going to for the edits. Um, <sighs> wow. Oh, for, for, <laughs> hey, we don't need edits. the mature tag that. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's like there's a song called Vigilante. Oh, this really is Jason Todd's life story. OK, um, <laughs> but then. Wow. In, in the in the music video for Antihero, uh, like there's a whole like podcast joke because part of the video is like her kids in 30 years at her funeral. And like there the one yuppie kid is like recording a podcast <laughs> like or like called like It Comes Swiftly or something like that. What? Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I, I guess. Um, huh. It's just a fun video. It's good creativity. All right. Well, I'll give I'll give that. But I I, I guess we should get back to our our, our yuppie podcast. This is a Taylor Swift podcast now. I told you. <laughs> All right. Strap yourselves in. Prepare yourselves for we have comic sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring necks on. I caught handsome checks for my expansion sets. They call me Obi. It's me. Uh, Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's Hector. We've met. Um, But seriously, on today's episode of The Pull List, we've got a great show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our must-pull recommendations from the past couple weeks, maybe month. We Look, the comic shop's been a thing for both of us. Uh, October is like crazy busy, but we've been kind of bouncing around. So the books might go three weeks. So don't add us. We're, we're still telling you about things you should read. That's what we're Listen, here for. I, I, I DJed uh, an event for a bunch of high school and middle school kids last night. <laughs> uh, drove, got home, and then read comics till 1.30 in the morning. Just for you. Just for you. <laughs> Don't you forget it. Um, <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> so we've got a couple fave number ones for you and so much more. But I'm just going to say right now, I, I, I tried to go spooky so this this is the halloween episode sort of that you're going to listen to after halloween but here you go here we are this is the polis podcast neon noises and hector and i are just so glad you're here with us for jocularity and yeah That's a word. but you need to look that one up no i'm good <laughs> uh it's good so let's see 
I mean, I feel like the one thing that we have to talk about just off the top of our heads is James Gunn mm-hmm. um, and DC. Mm-hmm. They, they've got these movies, right? Yep. Well, two things, because um, they happen simultaneously and the nuance might have been lost on people. But DC has officially named their movie works and animation works and all of the things that they do. DC Studios. Um, so they're, they're the extended just, universe is dead. Yeah, the extended universe is technically dead, and it is it is the it's just the DCU, and it is DC Studios. All this sounds vaguely familiar. It's really strange, um, but they're they're leaning in on it pretty hard. But I think the thing that either was a shock to a lot of people, or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I don't know if I was shocked by it, but other people like f- faint were like, oh. Um, but James Gunn's in charge. Um, I say this, like it goes a long way, um, to a creator when somebody supports them, when they get pooped on. Yep. And, and and that's, that's all that really needs to be said there. Right. Is that DC is like, cool. You're, you're the guy. And, and Kev and Kevin K K E V I N. Yeah. That one. (laughs) Yeah. That one was like, nah, fam. (laughs) Well, did you did you read his quote about it? No, I saw the article, but I didn't read his quote. So you you can fill in the gap there for me. Uh, so uh, Kevin Feige said, uh, in terms of uh, James and DC, he said, mm-hmm. "Well, I don't think he's going to make anything between now and May, but as soon as he does, I'll be the first one in line with my popcorn." Aww, because um, he said, "Like on May, until May, you're on Guardians duty." <laughs> Right. It's like you you still have some contracts to f- to fulfill. He's like you finish up Guardians and and then you can jump ship. Then you could do what you need to do. But it it really is like Marvel gave him a really solid shot at the big leagues. Yep. And um then I feel like their rejection of him like opened the door for DC and I feel like, you know, that's it. But also, have you watched season 3 of Harley Quinn? Uh, I don't think I finished it. I think there's, I have one or two episodes left, but like, you know, James Gunn's a character. Right, right, in, right, 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 right. And Harley. So that's fun yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I mean, I, the one thing that is really good about it and I think is important to note is that DC needed to clean that shop up and kind of decide what they were going to be, how they were going to do it. Um, So knowing now that animation and movies and just all of their media has a home and, you know, a set executive and all that, I'm kind of hoping might clean up and give it direction because basically we've all been talking about the Scott Snyder, like set everything up or Zach. Others, other Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder. Well, yeah. both. So many Snyders. Yeah, both, both, <laughs> but both, but for different reasons. Yeah. Um, so many Snyders that the Snyderverse is really, you know, inception at a lot of levels at DC. Um, Dana Snyder's in there, too, somewhere. Holy goodness. Um, that they were like, it was always his baby. And then, you know, that happened. So D- <laughs> DC James gunned him. So does that mean Zach's going to go to the MCU and the in the world will be balanced? Uh, I would love, I would love to see Zach go to the MCU because, uh, fanboys would hate everything automatically (laughs) and it'll be great for people to, well, I mean, people, I mean, realistically people still, you know, take poops on DC, but 
if you're looking at uh the universal response to phase four on mm-hmm. like y'all ain't far off from being you know on that warner brothers boat um yeah i think i mentioned that before maybe it was when we were talking offline that i was like I- i'm still waiting for phase four to to convince me that i care now i'm pretty sure black panther's gonna do it and really hopeful but so far ooh. but that was the thing too and here's the thing i've enjoyed phase yes. four but i don't have expectations for phase four that's I'm like oh you're that's bringing me things that's nice thank you um <laughs> thank I, you for bringing this <laughs> i try really hard to live by that kevin smith philosophy yep. of when i grew up this stuff wasn't around so i'm going to appreciate every bit of it that comes yep um i i utter that i utter that a lot with a lot of content when people are that way i was like look right now i can literally fire up five different streaming services and i'm getting nerdy something from all of them yes um so yeah when well, and and just read it and the reality of it is like a phase four outside of eternals i've enjoyed everything <laughs> at least moderately well eternals happened um Moving on. <laughs> eternals to me is the the worst thing produced in superhero culture in a hot minute um oof. big oof. um big oof. um but you know i also nobody's making me watch it so i watched it once i said cool peace out i'm like i also yeah. it's not where i wanted selma hayek when i got her in a superhero role but whatever yeah um, that happened uh because yeah anything anyway there, um, nope. there we go yeah all right so because listen we live in a world where doom patrols get in the fourth season what are we complaining about <laughs> literally yeah. what are we complaining about that's valid um uh another another season of robot and t-shirts reference yeah. um so but now academy award nominated robots and t-shirts not knocking it yeah <laughs> dude's got taste <laughs> um just can't say any of his lines on this show. Oops. But I did uh, get the phrase douche waffle from yeah. um, Doom Patrol. And that is permanently ingrained into uh, my vocabulary for the rest of my life. Um, thank you, Doom Patrol. Yeah, thanks for that. I literally uh, made a sticker that said, don't be a douche waffle. That had some like ooze melting off a waffle. It was great. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving right along. Um so the one bad day series has been pretty good and I'm not going to spoil the podcast because we're going to talk about one later. Um, but they've given some previews because Bane's story is coming um, in the next couple months. And I just wanted to put that on everybody's radar because the, the one bad day, I want to say that some of them have kind of been hit or miss, but most of them have been at least There's only been three so far, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure we did Riddler, Two Face, and Penguin. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure that's it so far. But yes, Bane's is coming, and the preview is Bane has gone back to wrestling because he's got nothing to do, um, and he realizes his claim to fame is that he almost killed Batman. Um. So you know, break breaking the back story and all that that's his claim to fame so he's gone back to the ring and every single match he fights is against a batman and and so that's kind of the thing and that's kind of the washed up bane um story and everything and they claim it's there's going to be something in continuity there that changes something 
um, about Bane's lore and background and everything. So I'm just curious where that's going. I mean, Bane's an interesting character to me in general because he he is the dude that like Joker's come close a lot to killing Batman. But Bane's the one that like literally almost did it twice, technically, if we're if we're keeping score. Um, so it's just interesting to me. And so literally him diving back into his own persona and going back into the ring and everything. Interesting. And the art looks really good and all that. So look, the one bad day series is probably worth a visit. If you love anything in the DC uh, world anyway, because they're all just kind of different looks or they're scratching at a very particular piece of continuity or lore that for each character. And we'll save it for, for Hector to talk about later, but I, I enjoyed uh, the Penguin one too, um, because it was just interesting. So we'll lay that one out here in a bit. Uh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so Saga fans, hi. Um, Saga like uh, Saga Avatar: The Last Airbender. Saga? No, no. Like Saga. the the emotional Saga. bender. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's in Brian K. Vaughn like literally takes a break every three books saga. <laughs> um, so, you know, they came back after what? It was two and a half, almost three year break. I forget if they even got to six issues, went back on break. But guess what? You're not waiting two years this time. They're coming back in January. So at least the typical image break is kind of back. Um, so for those of you that don't know, a lot of image books technically usually release in six issues and then they do a one to three month break and then six issues that that's how they try to rotate in uh, creator own stuff into their product line so that stories can get told, but they can keep making their monies all the other places that they release books and stuff like that. Um, and that has mixed results for the rest of us because that means we're usually end up waiting a longer period for a full series of something from some of those creators. But I know saga has been solid from the beginning and that folks just love them. So your wait is not going to be three years this time. That's what you need to know from this. And that's, that's a good thing because that's a long time to wait for some stories. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> it's a long time. And then um, finally, and there's a few things that we get to talk about here. Um, but Blue Beetle has a standalone series coming back or starting. It's technically back because Blue Beetle's had um, Rebirth and and other titles. They are doing simultaneous release for the entire series of it's going to be printed in English and in Spanish. Um, yep. So. The reason I want to bring this up is because if you live in America, you probably don't think about comics being published in other languages. Um, they do, but it's usually very limited and it's usually for very limited circumstances. And even in Marvel and DC's overseas stuff, it's still not as broad. Like finding some of these books in other languages sometimes are collector's items because there are so few printed typically. So right, I've got one from Russia from something. Yep. Um, and so I think this is a twofold thing for DC that they are putting their investment where their mouth is in, hey, we should publish stuff in a language that we have a large volume of speakers, even here in America. 
Um, but also that Blue Beetle's heritage lands firmly in this space. So, you know, they didn't quite jump up and down on it, but and that's good because at the same time, you know, it, you you want it to be legitimate, right? You don't want it to be pandering or even come off in that way. So, but this appears to be a very legitimate. Let's normalize a second language printing even here in America, and this is the series that makes a ton of sense to do that. Absolutely. That well, that you, that yeah. and a Renee Montoya thing would also work well. Yeah. So I'll be curious to see if this is a test to see if we'll get more. Um, and I'm equally interested to see the numbers once because I'm assuming they're going to track it. And they usually, the comic book industry is really good about publishing stuff in terms of um, sell-through rates and skew scans and all that stuff. So I'm just going to be curious to see if this adventure, it, it shows that there is an audience that we should be printing and then see if other comic publishers follow. So I, it was buried in the news and I was like, this is actually an interesting conversation. Um, so that's why I wanted to bring it forward. So for those of you that are looking for stuff in other languages and also serves a purpose, I, I think this is it. So I'm kind of hopeful and well, yeah. we're just now getting got? to the point where, uh, Hispanic heritage is getting like their fair shake in the comic world. Yep. And, um, but like, let's be, I, I get the, you know, I'm not the Latin Latino is Latino, but, uh, um, more, but, more like, so than I, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I've never personally felt like, Oh man, there's not representation in comics for my mm-hmm. culture. Um, but like, I don't know that I necessarily feel that void, Sure. But I know that when I see it and recognize it, I'm like, hey, I appreciate that. Like um, there was a Renee Montoya Latino cover or Latino Hispanic Heritage Month cover. I was like, oh, that's an amazing cover. I don't want to buy that book because it's like <laughs> it was a book I wouldn't want to read. Um, mm. But I was like, I appreciate the cover. So I just took a picture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's dope. Click. <laughs> yeah. And I just kept walking. Um, but no, I'm, I think I think it's really good for people to be able to do that because uh like uh do you follow mr beast at all um not as closely as apparently pop culture says i should yeah pop culture <laughs> is about that dude and yeah. um i see him a little more on tiktok and that's about it um but he said the biggest thing for his uh views and marketing mm. was that he went back and paid uh voice actors to translate in every language possible for youtube so they go back re-record all their old videos in different languages and that's been his biggest stretch as a content creator yeah so i think providing all alternatives will make a big deal for sure so i i'm looking forward i believe that's early next year so we'll be on the lookout and and see when that hits so kind of wrapping out the news section, uh, I know since we've been together last, um, Hector has probably seen Black Adam 47 times and I still haven't been. Um, so Hector, do you do you want to at least help guide the people around the reviews and the stuff they've been reading about reviews and help us all understand that we should we should go see Black Adam or or whatnot this weekend? Absolutely. Give us give us, give us the quick hit. All right, I'm going to give you my review of Black Adam 2 uh, that okay. I posted just because it was literally a quick hit. 
Um, but I'll say this. Um, it's a Black Adam is a DC movie. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening to the news. Moving thanks right for along. listening to the news. Um, Black Adam is a, a, a DC movie. And if you go into it expecting the Batman or mm-hmm. the Dark Knight or something, you're going to come out real, real sad. Um, if you Big go sad. expecting that this is a passion project from The Rock and they just wanted to make a superhero movie and establish some stuff, and you go into it like set your bar. I'll say this not in an ugly way, but set your bar low <laughs> and enjoy being surprised. Yeah. Um, like if you if you set your expectations low, like look, I'm expecting The Rock to brood and there to be some shiny fights and uh, stuff like that. If you can do that, you'll have a ball. Um, I'll, visually, well played. Um, like there's stuff that just visually comes off way more flawlessly than it needs to. A lot of Hawkman stuff, great looking. A lot of Doctor Strange stuff, great looking. For whatever reason, oh, I was da- per- how dare you? What Doctor Fate? <laughs> Did I say that wrong? You said Strange. Did I say that? Oh, oops. Uh, but <laughs> but also <laughs> but also he was a cooler doctor strange than doctor strange um doctor fate typically is yeah um i for whatever reason i was really impressed with hawkman's plane and um like cuz that was a it's a plane 100% made of nth metal um but what cracked me up was like why is hawkman looking like 90s x-men in this execution um but uh, it, it's I'll say this, just go have fun. And if that's what you could do, if you can go use this as popcorn, um, go have fun. But uh, here here was my uh, word association review. Um, Black Adam equals Thor 1. Okay. Um, it has strong Thor 1 vibes, especially early on, plus Tomb Raider. And, okay. Uh, specifically the Tomb Raider's uh, video games of the more recent generations. Got you. Yep. Um, it is literally i know they're the same source material but it had strong strong shazam vibes um like as it, sh- as it should yep. and um like and you get the wizard back which is nice um mm. and what's funny is you hear the word shazam more in this movie than you do in shazam <laughs> um uh but uh mortal Kombat, like straight up full this this was the best mortal Kombat movie made <laughs> um Mephisto. I'll just leave it there because it's always Mephisto. Um, and by the way, have you seen all these weird casting things about Mephisto? Well, it's just there's a lot. Um Army of Darkness. And I really wish that I wasn't saying that. But you get full <laughs> Army of Darkness. Uh, Bartman. Wow. Bartman. The the Avongers. <laughs> and that that was my word association uh <laughs> review thank you for listening to the polis podcast uh no, that's just like and i'll say like i feel like the uh just the jsa was executed better than the justice league has been so far outside of the Snyderverse, like uh, the the snyder Cut. I, i've heard that from a few people that this was like the best jsa movie we've ever had um, but on the flip side, I feel like, uh, and I, and I don't mean this in, you know, super negative, but like Cyclone and Adam Smasher are both the rookies <laughs> on this team, but they're both useless. <laughs> like, I'm like, y'all didn't accomplish anything. Um, 
I'm like, it literally is Hawkman and uh, Dr. Fate handling business the whole time. And uh, by the way, somebody like was asking me at church, like, why were they so aggressive? There's a very subtle line uh, that's, you know, can be missed if you're crunching too loud or whatever, that uh, Amanda Waller provides uh, backstory details on Black Adam that the rest of the world doesn't have. And so mm-hmm. that's why they're super aggressive. So if you like uh, literally somebody that watched the movie, same time I did miss the whole plot detail. Um, the kid, uh, like the whole, the whole Freddie Freeman vibes of him trying to teach Shazam how to be a hero and ca- cool catchphrase and stuff. You get that with the rock, but like <laughs> it does not go the same. And, um, yeah, it was just, it, it was fun. Uh, I will say, you know, and there was also the big post credit scene that everybody and their mom's excited about. And like, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? No, I've meant the Internet has managed not to ruin that for me. OK, well, I won't say anything about the post credit then, but like uh, a cert- certain actors have come out to say they are officially back in their roles and making sequels. And like Interesting. they've made like like after the movie was out, certain actors um, uh, made public statements on all of their socials and was highly covered that they are officially back and doing roles. So I'll, I'll try not spoil it for like Chris and the other two people that don't know this yet. Um, Nailed it. But I will I will say this as for. It, it strongly the my only super negative is it strongly suffers from DC's problem of having terrible villains Mm. that they throw in in the last five minutes just to have the hero have somebody beat up. Uh, On a villain level, this gave me strong Batman versus Superman vibes. On a villain level, this gave me strong 2017 Power Rangers vibes. (laughs) Ew. Yeah. And it's that thing of like, uh, okay, the 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 most accurate, bro, and I hate to say it this way, the the it made me feel like a 2016 Suicide Squad, um, in terms of bad guys, um, where it literally like, hey, our whole plot line is we're gonna have heroes in conflict the whole time. Oh, they resolved their stuff. Let's give them someone to beat up. <laughs> You're next. Get in there. You're next. Aww. <laughs> and it's that. Dance for the children. That's about it. Um, That's not like right. <laughs> if like if they I felt like they could have accomplished more if they hadn't introduced a villain and just had the story be about their conflict resolution. Got you. Well, razzle dazzle. Yep. The more the more, you know, it was worth watching and it was fun and it was better than the Eternals. God bless you and your family. <laughs> Oh, and that's what you need to know. That's our bi-weekly look at the industry and delivering you the inside knowledge. As always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I and all of your nerdy friends over at the Love Thy Nerd Discord and in the Facebook community and, well, wherever Hector hangs out on social media. Um, so come hang out with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, and possibly even what we missed because, well, we miss things. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on 
LTN Radio. I was at a con this weekend, and I was across from a really cool booth called 8-Bit Persona. It was a young lady that made perler bead art, some canvases, painting, stuff like that. And she had the iconic, it's dangerous to go alone, take this scene from Legend of Zelda, uh, done really well on a canvas. And I wanted it. But uh, I'm on a budget. Uh, con, ministry, life, kids, glasses, you know, just <laughs> band trips. It's, it's a lot. And I knew I couldn't, I didn't have just the extra income to be able to buy this piece of art with, but I really appreciated it. And the whole time I, you know, every time I looked over, I said, you can't, you can't, you don't have what they, you don't, you don't have what they're asking for. And, but towards the end of the show, um, the young lady came over and asked if she could buy one of my shirts and that, you know, she liked it. She really thinks her mom would love it. And she wanted to get it. It's the one that says comics and cosplay and Jesus and tabletop, the ampersand shirt, as I call it. And, you know, I had no idea that she would have been interested in that shirt, but she said that it was exactly what she was looking for. So I proposed a trade. I asked her instead of paying me for the shirt, how about you trade me for the dangerous to go alone piece? And she said, absolutely. And she ran over and got it. And I even gave her an extra sticker of the ampersand stuff with it. And then she went in her booth and FaceTimed her mom to show her mom the shirt. And I could hear her mom over the phone, how excited she was. And I think that sometimes we discount what we have to offer because we think it's not what the world wants. And it reminded me of this verse in Acts 3 verse 6 and there was someone begging for money Acts 3 verse 6 Peter gives this response it says but Peter said I don't have any silver or gold for you but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene get up and walk y'all sometimes we think that because the world's not always asking for Jesus and what Jesus is doing in our lives that it's he's not exactly what they need or that he's not exactly able to satisfy and i would encourage you don't discount what you have to offer and what you have to offer through what god is doing in your life and be willing to actually share what you have even if it's not what the world thinks it wants or is asking for you have something to share remember to catch faith and fandom 180 every wednesday morning on the back row morning show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai. So let's jump into some polls. So Hector, razzle dazzle me with all of the things that you read from okay. the last couple, you know, since the last time we did this. <laughs> all right. So since you mentioned uh, Penguin, I'll save that one for last-ish. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, hell is a squared circle. And to be honest, I was like, what? When I saw this in the show notes. So yeah, tell, tell me about it. Ready? Ready for this description? By the way, I'll just put this nope. out as a blanket statement. Um, Aftershock one-shots, which are apparently equivalent to DC's Black Label stuff. Um, like, uh, there was one about a tattoo artist that was really dope. There was one about a plant serial killer lady. Um, I've enjoyed these a lot. 
I don't know that I would read ongoing stories, but these one shots have been really dope. Um, this is a gritty noir story about a wrestler. You're you're expecting me to react to that, but I I know you. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's a, it's noir. It's like straight up. So um, that's a little weird. I'll give you that. that yeah, that's usually the opposite of what um professional wrestling is so yeah so the whole thing is it's picture a 70s 80 wrestling dude thinks he's about to be put over to be the next big superstar whatever um dude last minute uh decides very pulp fiction by the way which was funny to me uh dude his opponent last minute decides or it was the plan the whole time to instead put himself over and literally forcibly holds him down for the three counts and he doesn't get the championship or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then straight up dips like Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction. Um, So the, uh, the main character, um, we'll call him Nacho Man, Randy Savage. Um, (laughs) uh, But uh, the main character then decides to like add to his alcoholism and then confronts his promoter and, accidentally murders him like uh his head looked like that grape in lord of the rings um and uh then he goes to steal all the box office take and then runs across the uh uh dude who put him put him over that that screwed him and conflict ensues um (laughs) jocularity uh and the whole thing is him trying to run from that and reestablishing himself in Canada like 10 years later and trying to build a life with his daughter. But he's haunted by what he did. And like it all kind of comes crush coming back in a brutal, gritty way in Canada, um, in Canada. <laughs> Um, so this has strong Pulp Fiction vibes. This has strong wrestler vibes with Mickey Rourke. Um Art is interesting. Uh, Like, it has a strong, like, 70s flair. That's cool. Um, But, like, uh, the color usage is really interesting. Um, But it's also one of these big books. And there's something, I just like the girth of these wide books. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The back says, is wrestling noir a genre? It is now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, hell is a squared circle. And that was really good. Um, that's one of those that's been sitting, waiting for me for a minute because I wanted to read it. Um, to do, I'm gonna jump into uh, what surprisingly I didn't expect this to make my polls, but um, Batman versus Robin number two. Mm. Now, uh, as Todd Turner pointed out to me that I wasn't aware of, this all ties into World's Finest. Yeah, that. I, I've gathered that World's Finest is actually tying into a lot of stuff, but I'm still not reading it. And I'm kind of also not not disappointed in that. But go on. Um, so <laughs> just note that if you read this, it is solid on its own, but it's tying into stuff in World's Finest. That would make more sense. Um, but there's a demon devil dude thing. Um, basically Trigon, but not. Um, but not. Got it. Uh, that is collecting all of the magical properties of all the characters. Like uh, like Doctor Fate's helmet, uh, Ragman's soul clothes, uh, like that type stuff. So Taskmaster, but I mean he's tangibly collecting their stuff, not their skills. Okay, 
Like he's like he's literally collecting. Okay. He's collecting the stuff, but like to siphon off the magic properties of whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so uh mm-hmm. the whole thing plays out. Uh I remember I said like the previous issue of this was Damien like turning on like the return of Alfred and the Damien uh like going full rogue on Batman and stuff like that. Well, the deal is the the Robin book, uh this plays into that as well. That uh Roz's mom that was a big part of the Robin story is now like uh the side chick to this demon that's causing all the problems. And um thanks Roz. Your mom's scandalous proclivities are D- jacking up the DC universe. Um but uh with that uh Damien has been like demonically influenced, which is why he's being extra douchey. M- more um, so than usual? Like literally demon. Like, but yeah, it's still considering who his parents are, and yeah, this is like you're raised by Talia and Batman, but you're also a child of the corn. Um, like it's on that level. Um, the worst. <laughs> uh, but why this makes the the pull is that you remember that crazy mess during Tom King's run with the desert and Batman going through all his nightmares and stuff. Yes, dragging dead mom in in coffin behind the horse thing yeah how can we forget thanks tom king yeah uh this is i feel like this is what that was shooting for but better and not dragging the corpse of a loved one in a casket through the desert yeah obviously got it so why this is good and why this is worth picking up just for the sake of picking this one up uh through all the demonic efforts and whatever that's being thrown at batman now and alfred um, Batman is chucked into the Sandman world. He goes through the House of Secrets and through the House of Mystery with Kane and with Abel <laughs> and uh, one of the other Sandman associated folks. Um, so, like, if you don't know Sandman at all, you're like, who are these jabronis? That's them. Um, but honestly, that alone was worth it just seeing Batman interact with Kane and Abel and stuff like that. Um, and uh you all i think you also get the uh the sisters three that makes sense i mean they're they're kind of important to interplanar and other type stuff so but the uh the other big pseudo reveal and being that this will be two weeks out by the time you get to watch this uh when the issue ends we're giving the foreshadowing that alfred's not really there it's a demon thing uh. and screw you guys um so womp 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 oh like they're leaving the house of mystery or whatever and alfred's shadow cast the shadow of a, or alfred cast the shadow of like a big demon thing so it's like screw you guys um, not okay <laughs> um surprisingly um this one was not supposed to make my list at all um i just got it. i'm an old hack and slash fan uh keeping with your nerd spooky vibes and everything and i'll say this tim seeley does a lot of good things uh nightwing he's done i mean he's done a lot of good stuff i think hack and slash is what tim seeley does best (laughs) and it makes me happy when he does it um this is uh called hot shorts and it's literally a quick little snippet of uh (laughs) 
<laughs> what do you call it? shorts? I guess like, but they're like three or four page stories just scattered together. Okay. Um, it's kind of anthology ish then anthology ish, but they're not, it's not even that lengthy. Yeah. It's, it's short standard. form. Yeah. Um, so one of the stories has, doesn't have hack, like doesn't have the main characters in it at all. Like <laughs> it's completely nice. random, but, uh, it's a Johnny Cash and Elvis story. <laughs> and okay. it's so uh, that it's basically that Johnny Cash, this is right before the man in black era mm-hmm. um, is like struggling with his own inner demons and like the weight of everything. And he's feeling kind of haunted and uh, he goes to visit Elvis before, obviously before he passed. Sure. And um <laughs> great <laughs> and then uh one of the demon dogs from hack and slash is standing outside the door is like you don't want to go in there and uh he goes into elvis's room and elvis's soul is being devoured um and elvis cries out to johnny cash um the payment has come to run <laughs> that elvis had sold his soul to make this all happen and that they were collecting on it and that's where Johnny Cash Man in Black comes from because at that point he had turned to fight the demons. And so it it ends with him with a guitar with like nails sticking out of it like Cassie Hack's bat. Wow. And that's what you start with. I mean, I don't need anything else. That was worth my money. You're like, and away we go. Yeah. Um, and then that literally was worth it. Like I, if I, if the, I could have stopped reading, um, but then uh, like the uh, one of the next ones is um, Cassie Hack and Vlad, you know, her sidekick are covered in gore and visceral such and such after saving the world again. Yeah. And they have to wash each other off, like hose each other off in the front yard. And Vlad's shy and doesn't want to get soapy. And he's like, I don't want to spray you with water or touch you with the sponge. It's weird. And so the whole thing is them just trying to get blood off of each other. And like she gets soap in his eyes and he goes raging and it's just like a whole thing. So that's fun. And then like they have this crossover at the end. That's Cassie hack versus Vampirella versus uh, three or four other like dynamite slash image slash whatever, uh, female lead characters like saying listen uh we our stories may be terrible but they need to keep going (laughs) and like uh they're fighting somebody it's just like there's a lot of deep takes in the last story if you've been a long time reader of hack and slash but like i bought this on it's that it was a shorts thing and i like cassie and vlad um but the johnny cash thing alone was worth it um (laughs) So that there was were a that. lot of words in that sentence that I never thought would be uttered on this podcast. So there you have it. <laughs> Johnny Cash, Man in Black, um, different Man in Black. Um, then my last pull was uh, Batman One More Day, Penguin. And um, I know you said you read this one too. And yeah, I would say this one is definitely better than the Two Face one. Yeah, no, I agree. Different vibe. Different vibe. I don't know that it's better than the Riddler one, but the Riddler one just yeah, Riddler's me. yeah, Riddler's still up here for me on that one. Um, but this is uh, 
I don't know. This reminds me of a '90s action movie type situation, like anti-hero movie. Like, did you ever see Payback with Mel Gibson? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, this is so. Uh, okay. Okay. Penguin got portrayed by Umbrella right. Man, um, like one like, does, as one does. Um, gets his whole empire taken, and he's beat up and left for dead. Um, very Gotham TV series. Um, but the whole story is. Uh, Penguin starting his way up from the top or from the bottom up with $20, I believe is what he started with. You, if that it was, it was practically nothing. It was pretty funny. Um, but the whole story is he's got $5, a bullet with one gun and he's going to take over Gotham again. Yep. And in one night it's the progression of him getting back to this place. Um, so he finds a couple lackeys, uh, some people that are willing to stand beside him. And it's literally like him. You, you see those videos of people who up trade, like, right. I'm going to give, right. I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a pack of chiclets. And by the end of the night, you need a PS five. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's the up trades. This is an up trade story of penguin, like getting there. But probably one of the best things is a uh, penguin, like just straight out talking Batman into being Batman. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, it's like, look, (laughs) he's just like, listen, man, you know, I'm really the reason all this works out and blah, blah, blah. And he just straight like talks Batman down to bore Batman's just like, all right, fine. And leaves. Yeah, I'll Um, see you tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's good storytelling. It's well contained. Um, It had good empathy levels. Uh, It was very surprising. Uh, Like the characters did not seem like. There was no the out of the two or three new characters that were completely introduced in this, none of them really seemed like carbon copies of a different character. Mm. Like I felt like I was actually seeing new ideas and characters, and that was nice because everybody's like a copy of this guy or that guy. Or th- this felt a little fresh. So that's it. What you got? All right. So I said at the top that I went pretty Halloween. And I did that mostly on purpose because there's some stuff I did kind of set to the side because I was like, I'll do a Halloween show. But then one book slapped me and I just couldn't not talk about it. So I'm putting it at the top so I can tell you about all the spoopy stuff afterwards. Um, And so I haven't talked about the all new Firefly in a while um, because, frankly, it's been boring me stupid. Um, And then this book hit. And. I stopped and I went, dang it, what you got me. Um, so this book is entirely Jane centric and it's Jane kind of dealing with Jane. Um, and it pulls from, you know, hero of Canton level stuff, um, his hat. Vera, like everything. But ultimately, you know, part, the doc and. Another member of the new team had been basically taken hostage and Jane feels like all of it's his fault. Um, And so Jane's doing what Jane does and he's sulking through the entire thing. But, you know, the crew and Mal ultimately go back to him and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're still going to do the thing. We know that the dude that you feel kind of responsible for might be dead, but it's a maybe dead. And. Mal kind of walks him through the, so there's hope and, 
but we need Jane puts on the hat, picks up Vera and destroys everything in front of him because always bring extra hand grenades. Um, and Jane's like, wait, he might be alive. And and Mal's like, yes, I, I need the version. I need the version of Jane that just destroys everything in front of him, please. And he's like, oh, it bring the hat. And Jane's like, what? And he goes, don't you understand, Jane? Jane, when they see you coming through the door, guns a blazing and hand grenades going off everywhere and see a man wearing this hat, that is truly frightening. <laughs> and so the whole thing plays out. And I'm just like, I never thought that I would continue to actually every time Jane goes down a road where you're like, that dude is a dirtbag. Somebody writing Firefly ends up bringing him back and making you go, oh, man, he really is a good human being underneath all that. Um, and that's entirely this book front to back is like everything you want to love about Jane is this. So all new Firefly number nine. You could almost read it in isolation. Of the story and still appreciate it. Um, it's pretty wild. So if you didn't read it, at least go back and read it for this, because I feel like this is one of the best Jane isolated stories in like a long time. So brown coat stuff. Um, and honestly, I want to see if I can find pages from this book to go with my other Jane pages, because there's some cool panels in this book. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Firefly, just write this good all the time. <laughs> Now I'm going to tell you about a bunch of books that aren't that good, but are technically Halloween stories that are fun. Um, so I'm not about to, you know, go mind blowing here or anything. But um, last time I told you about Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead, written by Bruce Campbell um, as a fun, you know, spoopy time of year book. And it still is. It's Sergeant Rock. It's gritty. It's stupid. Um, it's it's on point for both things. So lots of zombies, Nazi zombies, dead people, stuff exploding. Um, Hitler's army building an army of the undead. You know, you've heard this story, but you know what? It's still As one does. It's still fun. Um, and, you know, Bruce Campbell's flair is in here. There is definitely evil dead moments in this book. <laughs> um, so. That's one of those. I'm I'm not sorry. Um, Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Number two. It's a six part um, mini. So, you know, it's going to finish after Halloween, obviously. But it was released kind of in this spooky time of year. And yeah, it, kind of like you said about some movies. It Sometimes it's just get your popcorn out and enjoy the ride for what it is. Um, and you know what? Halloween is kind of that time of year for me. And that's why we got this. But. That said, Moon Knight's annual came out um, during this whole thing as well. And I missed that was this week. I wanted to get that one. So the Moon Knight annual is beware werewolf by night um, because um, make all them crossovers and make them monies. Um, but this was actually better than the Moon Knight book that also came out this period. I was about to say the Moon Knight book this time wasn't great. Right. No, like I was like, cool. Great. This was good. Um, that he finds out that his daughter has been kidnapped. Um, and it's by werewolf 
and some other cult members and stuff because they want Mark to kill Khonshu, to kill the moon god, um, because werewolf reasons. Um, but Jack Russell is, you know, doing the I'm in here, I'm not in here kind of thing. And it's kind of a fun cat and mouse uh, chase between Moon Knight and werewolf uh, on that journey. And Moon Knight's God Conchu is also like, well, just kill your daughter then. So because then that solves all the problems. <laughs> and Moon Knight's like, no. <laughs> um, so on the rescue mission, where it ties into the current stuff is he doesn't br- he does bring the other fist, because remember we now have a left and a right fist um of Conchu. Um, so he brings his 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 other side um with him on the rescue mission, and that's kind of fun too. But it is kind of, it it's punchy like it's supposed to be. Um, so it does kind of have that pulpy type feel to it, but it also just was a ton of fun, like super fun. It's it's Mr. Knight through most of it also um, in terms of personality. Um, but they do go back and forth because Mark actually is the father um, out of all these. So that's part of that conversation as well. Um, so there's just a lot of neat, deep, werewolf and moon knight lore kind of buried in it and it's like yeah marvel that's how you time a release of of something cool for folks to read so annuals for me are hit or miss but that one was a lot of fun probably just because i was in the spooky frame of mind um but it might have hit otherwise but it's kind of neat um it hit it just checked all the blocks for me so it's fun it's good this series that I'm about to share is one that I completely missed. So I'm giving you issue one, but I think issue two actually came out um, this week as well. But R.L. Stein has been is writing an anthology series, and it's called Stuff of Nightmares. And so each book in this is kind of its own story. But at the beginning, um, it's kind of got this creepy dude that's like, let me tell you some story. So it's a crypt keeper, not crypt keeper. Um, and he's like, don't worry about it. My name's not important. So I have a feeling we might get around to that, um, type of thing. And, you know, he brings back a word that everyone's heard recently of the, uh, cabinet of curiosities, um, is a horror anthology thing that you kind of hear. And if that, bouncing around your brain that's because that's what del toro's um netflix uh anthology is called um so weird (laughs) um this one was about some people tripping across a doctor and this team that are reanimating creating new zombie type like creatures and there is a lab accident um and I will let you read to find out how that's framed and how that works. But uh, basically everybody involved gets torn limb from limb except for the actual scientist. And he's like, oh, our lab accident. And so he lights the whole place on fire with his monstrosity still alive, um, killing them. And so the whole thing just kind of plays out at the end in terms of what actually just happened here. And, you know, the Crypt Keeper being like, those things are dead, but are they? Ooh. Um, it's just very R.L. Stein. So if you're into that goosebump vibe and even a lot of some of his, his deeper adult work, 
that is that in comic book form. And this is just the time of year to do that. So congrats. RL's nine doing things. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Welcome to the Lightning Round, brought to you by Moviga. I'm Steven with your weekly source for all things movies, video games, and more. Now grab your ponchos and let's catch up on this week's news. Some spoilers for the credit scene in Black Adam, spoilers that The Rock himself already announced and everyone kind of already knows, but spoilers nonetheless. You ready? Henry Cavill is back as Superman, baby. Almost 10 years after Man of Steel, a sequel is finally in development and Cavill made his return official recently on Instagram. Superman is my favorite superhero and I think Henry plays him perfectly, so I'm freaking stoked. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania released its first trailer and it looks pretty wild. The last two movies had more of a city heist vibe, while this one goes all Willy Wonka in the Quantum Realm. We got our first look at the real Kang the Conqueror and he looks pretty awesome. I absolutely love Ant-Man, so I'm very excited for this. More huge DC news, James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy and The Suicide Squad, is joining Peter Safran as co-CEOs of DC Studios. This has the potential to be an amazing new direction for DC, and I hope they can get back on their feet. They need all the help they can get. Uh-huh. Some more DC news, HBO Max's Green Lantern series is being redeveloped from a buddy cop style show to focus solely on Jon Stewart. I grew up with the Justice League cartoon, so Jon Stewart is my Green Lantern. I'm all over this. It's official, Vision is getting his own series on Disney+, Plus, with Paul Bettany returning to the role. The series will be titled Vision Quest, and we'll see Vision on a quest uh, to regain his memories and his robot humanity. I'm cool with this. Marvel Snap is here. The new mobile card game earned over $2 million in its first week with over 5 million people downloading it. I have yet to play it, but I've heard nothing but great things. Twitch streamer Gino Machino recently defeated all 165 Elden Ring bosses without taking a single hit. It's pretty good, but can you do that in Crash Bandicoot? I don't know. Well, it looks like the storm has passed. Be sure to check out the Moviga podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to that sort of thing, where we're talking all things movies, video games, and more. I'm Steven, and thanks again for joining me this week for The Lightning Round. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. I'm going to hit my number one because I'm still on the spooky trail, so I'll let you close it with your your number one afterwards. But uh, try to take me seriously on this one. I'm curious where it's going, and I think I understand where it's going, but Hellboy in Love. I bought it. I haven't read it yet. So Hellboy in Love is a five-part series, but it looks like there's going to be either two or three mini arcs inside of it which is usually kind of how Hellboys work. They're either one shots or two shots um, type stories. And so this... You only get one shot. Yeah, just one. Uh, But this one's two. So you get two shots. Um, And so Hellboy in Love, uh, number one, is Goblin Knight part one. And... Oh, wow. I I just love Hellboy art when it looks like that. Um... And so there is this 
I believe it's a British doctor that has this thing from a museum that is being transported from point A to point B is a setup to this. We're on a train and a bunch of goblins show up to steal it. And Hellboy was snoozing and the doc didn't know that Hellboy was on the train. And Hellboy's like, yeah, my bad. I got sent to look over you in that. And well, I guess I screwed that up. Um, and so basically, this is an entire book of goblin shenanigans. And so goblin shenanigans. Um, yeah, they're they're goblins. They do goblin things. And it's starting this that the doc and Hellboy have some type of weird energy between each other. So I'm guessing that's the Hellboy in love um, because most of the Hellboy stuff up to this point have been slowly going through his history um, from when he was found through the decades of working with the BPRD all the way up to current. So this is probably falling in the timeline also where just, you know, Hellboy's young adultish at this point. So, and this is going to be one of the first times he really doesn't have the team with him. It's just him and this doc. And so there's some rom-com stuff like in the first setup part of this. So it it's this really weird Hellboy occult storyism type stuff with this semi-weird love story going on. But not the semi-weird love story that was in the movies type thing. Like, this is not someone on the team. This is someone outside of the team. So if you're into the Hellboy stuff, um, this is this is fun. It's pretty. I like Hellboy when the team is firing on all cylinders, and this one just kind of feels that way. So I'm hopeful for the rest of it. So that's why you should start there with Hellboy in love. So what you got? Uh, my love. Uh, new number one uh, is a resurgence like uh, and I do appreciate when books are doing this uh, where they'll do their six issue arc take a dip get their pants together you know and come back at you uh, Eve was a five or six issue book a little while back about a young girl who's a clone who wakes up who's right. been trained uh, in sta in stasis on how to save the world, and she's got her maniacal, evil Teddy Ruxpin traveling with her to uh, do that. This is the follow-up to that, and her and her evil Teddy Ruxpin and the older clone version of her uh, at the end of the previous book, they saved the world. They basically restarted Earth in terms of, uh, like, uh, what do you call it, um, terraforming it? Okay. They they hit they hit the reset button on Earth, restarted life, and um, like they're checking in with it's them. We well done, handles well done. Um, and they're they've done all that, and they realize something's not right in one of the areas, so they go to check on it, and they're met with some heavy aggression, um, because not everyone appreciates what they did, and uh, they're viewed in a bad light so if you read the first eve storyline and enjoyed it uh you should definitely keep reading uh if you didn't i don't know that you could easily jump on here but i guess you could but i would definitely recommend go back and read the first trade of eve and then you can jump on here pretty easily so but this is worth it and you get the teddy bear doing murderous robot teddy bear things um <laughs> and talking sass and 
uh, yeah, just some good stuff overall. Sassy murder teddy bear things. Yes. That's it, bro. Writing that one down. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been reading that one, but every time you mention it, I stop and go. Apparently, I should probably pick that up. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 78. 78. We've done this 78 times. That's 78 hours of Hector and Chris talking about comics. Ah, that's awesome. So it's now firmly in your ears, but also in your eyes if you check us out on the YouTube, because it's true. We're on YouTube now, so you can see the silliness that is Hector and I whenever we actually talk about comics. Um, you, can wear, you can watch Chris wear his own band merch. Yeah, well, that's how it is. I, I buy the shirt at the concert and I put it on immediately. Um, because Columbus does, in fact, got game. So... I just don't have cool looking shirts, so that's why I don't wear mine. That's not true. He used to have shirts. He just needs to do it again. So, you know, at like, subscribe, all that good stuff so that Hector will, like, make shirts again. Um, but as many of you know, we absolutely can't do this epic journey of podcasts and fandom um, alone. We do it with a ton of other podcasts on the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. So be sure to head over to lovethynerd.com to learn more, see previous episodes, and maybe find yourself a new show for part of your routine. And as always, Hector and I do want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. Uh, so don't leave us hanging. Rate, review the show on your podcasting app of choice on the YouTubes. We're basically everywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, so many other places. But have a great Halloween. Hope you had a great Halloween because you'll see this afterwards. So you're still eating three-day-old candy right now. Good for you. Um, but thanks for listening. We mean that. We're really glad to have an audience here. It's why we do what we do. So remember, kids, read more, more comics. comics. Finger guns. Finger guns. I'm going to take all seven continents of the game of risk. Master of Epic Duel! I can feel it!